is turned on. I try to encourage you guys to study your Bible, and you should. You should study your Bible as much as you can. And, but sometimes I know some of y'all are like, man, I, Brother Keegan, I just don't have the time. I mean, I, I do, it's good enough for me just to read it, much less study it. And you should be reading it no matter what, but also studying it. And studying means, you know, take it verse by verse, word by word, and just study it out. Maybe get you a good commentary if you don't understand some of it. But I encourage you, if you just want to do a, a study of the Bible and, you, and just, you only have time to study one part of the Bible, just pick the book of Romans, start in Romans chapter 1 and just study on through. That'll take you a lifetime to study all of that. And you'll learn so much about that. And that's kind of what we're going to be doing this morning, learning some of the doctrine that Paul teaches us here. But in Romans chapter 6, look at verse 23. Romans chapter 6, Romans chapter 6, verse 23. Paul says here, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Man, what a wonderful verse. What a wonderful verse. And I, I want to preach this morning on, I want to preach this morning on God's free gift. Because it says there, but the gift of God. The gift of God. I want to preach on that free gift. For the wages of sin is death. Well, you're earning a wage. Everybody understands what a wage is. You, you work somewhere, and then you get paid for it at the end of the week, maybe after the end of two weeks. Uh, your sin that you're committing in this life is, is, is a wage you're earning, and it's going to bring you death. And that's what you're earning. You're earning death. Now, what is sin? Well, let's define sin. Sin is uh, defined as missing the mark. If you had a bullseye, and you're a, a, an archer, and you shot that arrow, whoop, and you missed that mark, you missed that bullseye, you sin. They call it sin. You missed the mark. You missed the mark of God's holiness. You missed the mark of God's righteousness. Another way of defining sin is to say to depart voluntarily from a given law that's given by a known law given by God or one's own heart. You know, you can sin even if it's not against God's law. God's got plenty of laws that we commit uh, sin against, but a person commit, can commit a sin against their own heart. Their heart says they think it's wrong in their heart. They know it's wrong to do certain, certain, certain thing. If it be lying or stealing or whatever it is, in their heart they know it's wrong, and they, even, they go ahead and do it anyway. God's going to judge a man when he gets up to heaven, even if he says, I don't know your law, I don't know you. He's going to judge a man by his own heart. And I'm here to tell you, if you have a heart like me, it's going to condemn you. Amen. And if you're not, don't think you're condemned, your heart is deceiving you. The Bible tells us that. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Your heart will deceive you even to believing that you're righteous when you're not. The wages of sin is death. So we know, we know that's to be true. In every way. We've never known a person who's, who's, who's not died. Everybody dies. Everybody has to face death. Everybody's earning that wage. But God has given us a gift. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So there's a gift waiting on us. And I'm here to tell you this morning, y'all know this. I've already received that gift. And I know what that gift is. It's eternal life. But the Bible there in Romans chapter 5. And we're going to turn back to Romans chapter 5 verse 12. Turn back there with me. Romans chapter 5, verse 12. Let's turn back a page or two. We're going to study what this gift is. How, what the, the Bible, in Romans chapter 5, Paul defines this gift. Because he, he finishes off these chapters by saying that the gift of God is eternal life. But before he says that, he defines what sin is, why we sin, why we have sin in our heart, and what that gift is. And so that's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to go through these scriptures, and we're going to find out what the Bible has to say about our lives and the condition we're in. Every man and woman's in this condition. Every boy and girl are in this condition. And that's what we need to understand. That's where people get it wrong. People get it wrong is they don't understand the condition they're in. Uh, that old song, I just checked in to see what condition my condition is in. They don't even know how to, they don't even know what condition they're in to check in on the condition they're in. Listen, guys, if there's one thing the world doesn't understand is the condition they're in. They think that they're going to stand before a God if there is a God, they say. If there is a God, they'll say, I'll stand before that God and I'll 
point out all the bad things my neighbor did, and I'll say, see, I wasn't as bad as them, and they think I'm, I, 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 went, uh, I, I fed the poor, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't uh, cheat on my neighbor's wife, and they'll just point all these things out to God, and he's going to put all my good deeds on a, on a scale and all my bad deeds on a scale, and if my good outweighs my bad, then God will be nice to me and let me into his little heavenly home, and if not, then he'll send me down to a hell if they believe in hell, and that's never what the Bible teaches. You're never weighed like that. Listen, your condition is you're going to die. And if you don't believe me, just wait around 20, 40, 60 years, and you're going to taste death. I mean, you know that to be true. There's no way around it. You're going to die. The Bible says you've earned those wages, and now you're going to get the payment. There's a payday someday. Someday we're going to pay that fiddler. We can fiddle around and do what we're going to do and dance a dance, but one day we're going to have to pay up. And that paying up is death. Now, verse 12 of Romans chapter 5, Paul starts explaining why that's so. And I think, if, listen, I think if you can understand this concept and understand why we're in the condition we're in and the condition that we are in, you can understand these things. It will help you to appreciate what Jesus Christ did for you, help you appreciate that you need Jesus Christ, and makes a lot of sense of why the things are happening in the world the way they're happening, even in 2019. Now let's go back. Romans chapter 5, verse 12. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered the world, and death by sin. Now let's stop there. Who's that one man? Well, that one man is obviously Adam, the first man. He's the man that sin entered the world. By one man, sin entered into the world, and death by sin. As soon as Adam committed that sin, just like God told him would happen, he died. He died a spiritual death, and then he went on to die a physical death. Now, we can all see physical death. And we all, most of us have seen physical death or encountered physical death in our life. The problem with spiritual death is that you can't see it. And you don't realize that somebody's spiritually dead. And you just got to trust by faith that God is telling us the truth that we have a spiritual life and that you're dead in trespasses and sins. You just got to believe these truths. Now, the world, they don't like that. They want to see it. They want to hold it. They want to be able to touch it. God don't work that way. Jesus Christ said, you must worship God in spirit and truth. God is a spirit. You must worship him in spirit and truth. God works in the spiritual realm. That's the one thing that the world gets wrong about Jesus Christ. Even different denominations get wrong about Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was, through his whole ministry, talking about spiritual things, and they were trying to make a physical application out of it. And they didn't understand. And it got so bad that Jesus Christ started giving it to them. you got to eat my flesh and drink my blood. And they were like, whoa. Uh, this is out there. I can't do that. And the Bible says that a lot of his disciples turned back. This is a hard saying. Who can accept it? They couldn't accept it. They didn't know what. And the Catholic Church has took, has, has took that to, to where they, they, they think when they're drinking that grape juice or that wine, it's the blood of Jesus. And they, think, they, got, they take it so far, they think when they're eating that, that wafer, that it's the, body, the literal physical body of Christ. That's, that's how crazy they are. They cannot understand the spiritual things that Jesus Christ is talking about. And in, in John chapter 6, the, ver, the chapters I'm telling you about, the verses I'm talking about, Jesus Christ himself said, these are spiritual things. These are, spirit, these are spiritual words. The words I speak here, they are spirit and they are life. These are spiritual things. So when Adam, when Adam uh, took that fruit and ate that fruit, he died and he brought sin in. And death by sin. And so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. Okay, Adam sinned, that sin causes death, and Adam passed it down to his son, his son passed it down to his son, and on and on and on, and lo and behold, here you are today, I don't care if you're a man or a woman, your dad, pass it on to you. Amen. You get your blood from your dad. Your mom carries you around, that blood, that seed comes from your dad. He passed that sin on to you. That's how you're a sinner, that's why you're a sinner. That's the whole reason why Jesus Christ was born of a virgin. Amen. He doesn't have Adam's blood in him. He has his father's blood. It's a heavenly blood. It's a godly blood. It's God's blood. He can't have Adam's blood in him because that blood has sin. That's why it was imperative that Jesus Christ be born of a virgin. You've got to understand why that blood is so precious. It's not mine in your blood. So therefore, you know, a little child, when a little child is born, from the, the first day that little child has sin in it, 
Okay. Okay. Now, that's what the Bible tells us. Now, I'm gonna, now, y'all hold tight. Don't worry about the little babies. Don't worry about the children. We're about to talk about that. But that's what it says in verse 12. All men, for that all have sinned. You're going to sin. You've got sin in you. And that's why, because Adam did it, and he's passing on. You're looking at a world that's in sin. This world was not intended this way by God. God intended it to be a beautiful place, a garden with sinless people. But Adam messed it up. And you say, well, that's not fair. I didn't mess it up. Adam's going to mess it up. God's going to take care of that. So that's where we're going, okay? Some of these questions you might have running through your mind, if you're an unbeliever, I hope these will answer them for you. So look at verse 13. For until the law, sin is in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. So let's break that verse down. For until the law, sin was in the world. So the law he's talking about there is the law of Moses. And and remember, uh, Paul's writing to mainly Jews, and he's reminding them that when the law came in, that let us know what was sin and what wasn't sin. Okay. Coveting. Uh, you know, uh, you're, you're coveting somebody's stuff. That's a sin and, and under the law. There's some things that God said, that's a sin. And maybe they didn't know about it. But before that, what he's saying that, before the law, before Mount Sinai, before the Ten Commandments, sin was in the world. Well, how could it be sin? Well, God had spoken through men in the world, and men knew, and men have a heart, you have a heart, and you have a conscience, and you know what's right and wrong. God doesn't have to tell you what's right and wrong. You know in your heart what's right and what's wrong. From the very beginning in Genesis, you have an ungodly, heathen man that tells Abraham, it would have been wrong if I slept with your wife. Why would that have been wrong? There's no Ten Commandments at that time. Why did he say that? Why does he think that adultery is wrong? Because in his heart, he knows it's wrong, guys. So your heart will be your judge. So that's what, now, now, now we're not focusing on that because the very next uh, part of that verse is what I want to show you. But sin, now notice, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Beautiful. Okay, well, when there's no law, there's no, the sin's not imputed. In a sense, it's like saying uh, you're driving down the road and the speed limit sign is, uh, is 55 miles an hour. It gets changed to 75 miles an hour. Well, if you're, if you're going 65 miles an hour, you're not sinning. You're not, commit, you're not breaking that law because the speed limit is 75. But you would have been breaking the law when the speed limit was 55. It's all about where the law is at and what's, how the law is being applied. Now, who's the lawgiver? God. He's the one you're going to eventually answer to. Not me, not the U.S. government, not the government you're living in, but you're going to answer to God through Jesus Christ. That's the, the one that gives out the law. So he doesn't impute sin when there is no law. What that tells you, what that tells you, take that and, and just keep your finger here, but turn back one page to chapter 4, verse 15. Chapter 4, verse This teaches a very great truth. A very great truth. Verse 15. 4, 15. Because the law worketh wrath, it does work wrath. It throws you in jail. You get in trouble. Where no law is, there is no transgression. What that ver- you take those two verses, and what that tells you is that Jesus Christ, God the Father, is not going to impute sin to a child or a person who has no knowledge of good and evil. So to a child or to a person, be a mentally challenged person that has no concept of good and evil, has no concept, has no knowledge of the difference between good and evil, God's not going to impute that as sin to them. They might do the same thing me and you do, but we know it's wrong. A child doesn't know it's right or wrong. So until a child reaches the age of accountability, before, when a child reaches that age where he knows the difference between uh, good and evil, God's not imputing that sin to him. God's not holding that sin against him. So if he was to die, he goes on to heaven. He's righteous in God's eyes. So all the children you know, all the children, all the babies that die, they go on to heaven. That sin is not imputed to them. It's us wicked sinners that are sitting in these pews this morning that God's going to impute that sin to. Everybody needs the sound of my voice, I believe, understands the difference between good and evil. Now, you might say, what is that age of accountability? When does a child reach that age of accountability? Now, I've I've known people who who said they got saved at five years old. I didn't get saved until I was 17, but I knew what was wrong way before I was 17. Any, any person, any uh, woman that runs in a daycare, that's, and I've been around a daycare before, that's been around daycare, knows those children know really, really lo- young how to sin. <laughs> they, know, they figured out really, really quick 
They figure it out really, really quick. So I don't know what the age of accountability is, but that's in God's hands. And it says right there, God's not imputing those that there, where there is no law. Now let's continue on. I wanted to, to reassure you that anybody you know who's lost a young one, a young child, or, a, or a maybe a mentally challenged person, or a baby, that child's in heaven. That child's in heaven. That child, you don't have to worry about that child going. God's not going to send no child. God is a righteous judge. He's not going to send a, a child that doesn't understand the, not, the difference between good and evil. He's not going to send them to hell. He, they're going to heaven. He's not imputing that sin. Now, there might be some way off in the jungles, uh, some, some tribe that doesn't know God, but God is going to judge them by their heart. He's not going to impute different sins to them. And, and listen to me. There's a law that I have that y'all don't have. Some of y'all could have laid out of church this morning and, did, and, and everything been all right. If I laid out of church this morning, that's kind of a sin, don't you think? <laughs> God called me to do it. Perfect. Don't you think that's a little bit of a sin? You see, so there's different laws. God's got different laws for different people, and he's counting you for different things. Some of us understand that, that there's, some of us have grown in the Lord Jesus Christ, where to me today it's a sin not to give certain people gospel tracts when I have the opportunity. That's a sin. That might not have been a sin 20 years ago for me. And it might not be a sin to you. But for me, for me personally, I have sinned against God when I don't do certain things. That might not account. So you see that, the, that God's got different laws for different people. But we're all going to answer, and we're all sinners. Now, we got, we got that established. Amen? amen? All right, I think everybody amen that one, I hope. Those that didn't amen are sinners. <laughs> I'm joking. I'll just mess around. Well, it's true, but I'm just, I'm just picking on you guys. I'm trying to wake you up. Verse 14. Verse 14. Let's figure this out. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses. It did. It did. Even over them that had not sinned at the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is a figure of him that was to come. So what he, Paul says there is, hey, there was no law. And some people did not have a law that was holding them accountable. They were not sinning, but they were still dying. That's true about little babies. We have little, I mean, one and two and three day old babies die. They haven't even had a chance to sin. Death is reigning. There's sin in them. Where'd they get that from? Well, they didn't, they didn't do that sin. Where'd they get that from? They get that because it's inherent from them from their great, 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 great grandfather, Adam. Amen. And it's inherent in you. And if you died at one, years, one day old or you died 100 years old, you're going to die in sin. Amen. You're dying. That, that's the concept. That's the doctrine. That's what you, and we understand this at, physically. We can see this physically happen. We know of little babies that die, and we know of older people that die. We know everybody dies. So this is not a, a concept we shouldn't understand. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression. Guys, people are dying, but nobody's eating the fruit. We're not, we're not doing that sin. The sin was, don't eat the fruit. They ate the fruit, they died. I don't know about you, but God hasn't said anything to me about a fruit, and I had not seen him speak to anybody about eat, not eating fruit, but everybody around me is dying. So this has nothing to do with, it's not, even though we're, we're, we're doing these sins, it don't, it don't have to be about the sin that Adam did. It's about our sin, the sin that God's given us in the law, the sin that's in our heart. Guys, you should have no problem this morning for me to convince you that you're a sinner. Now, what are you going to do now with that sin? Uh, if you're in here or you're underneath the sound of my voice and you don't believe you're a sinner, you're lost without hope. I have no hope for you. Because you can't be a convert unless you're a convict. I can't convince you to repent unless you know there's something you need to repent of. I can't convince you that you're going to die in your sins if you don't think you're a sinner. And if you're so self-righteous... If you're so self-righteous that you don't know you're a sinner, you're in deep trouble. Amen. I feel for you. I really do. I, I, I actually don't want to be around you. You're probably one of the most self-righteous people I've met. There's no, I've, never met some, I've never met one of them. I've never met somebody who says they don't sin. Now, I guess there's people out there that would tell me that, that would say, well, I don't ever do anything wrong. But, I, I mean, that's, <laughs> that's some politicians we know of. But, you know, the point is, is that nobody's running for political office here. We're talking about life and death. Admit it. Come clean. You know, I'm not saying to me. I'm not telling you to come into some confessional booth and, and tell me all your deep, dark secrets. I'm telling you to come, admit it to God, Amen. to Jesus Christ. Admit it in, in prayer. God, I know I've done wrong. I know I've done these things that aren't right. 
I know I'm going to have to answer for him. I don't want to answer to you for him. This is the, this is the kind of repentance we're talking about. And here in the end of verse 14, who is the figure of him that was to come? Adam in type is in type like Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is in type like Adam. As so far as the Bible says in Corinthians that Jesus Christ is the second Adam. Second Adam. We got the first Adam, son of man. Second Adam, son of God. He is the second Adam. But they're not in comparison, but in contrast. In other words, they're in type where Jesus Christ, everywhere Adam messes up, Jesus Christ gets it right. Amen. Adam, Adam messes up in the garden and eats the fruit. Jesus Christ cries out to the Father and says, Not my will, but your will be done. He does that in the garden and passes the test. Everywhere Adam, our father, our great-grandfather, failed the test, Jesus Christ passes the test. Amen. He's in every way, and there, he's a figure of him. Now let's move on to verse 15. Let's find out more about this gift. But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. Free gift. So, this gift, this gift of God that he wants to give you, everybody loves a gift, everybody loves a gift. This gift of God he wants to give you is a free gift. And I want you to notice the Bible is real specific about that. Over and over, this is a free gift. This isn't a conditional gift. This isn't a come on down, buy one, get one free gift. You know, you, know, you go into stores and like, if you, if you spend $150, we'll give you this free bottle of cologne or what. No, there's nothing like that, that they try to pull, pull your wool over your eyes. We're talking about a free, unconditional gift. So also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one, many be dead... Okay, we've established that. Adam sinned, so now everybody's dying, and everybody dies. For if through the offense of one, Adam, many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. So this free gift is a gift of grace. This is a free gift given by grace. Okay. What does that mean, Brother King? What that means is, is a grace is a word that's a beautiful, beautiful word. It means it's an unmerited favor or an unmerited gift. In other words, somebody just comes up and gives you something. You didn't earn it. You didn't pay for it. You can't give a penny. If you give one penny, it no longer is a, a, grace given, a gift given by grace. You've earned it. You've bought it. You've got to be given it by unmerited favor. You don't earn it. You don't do anything. You don't deserve it. He just says, here, I just love you. Grace. Amen. Unmerited. And let me make sure you understand this. And a gift like this, a gift given by grace, never expects anything in return. Amen. A lot of us in this, in this building have been given gifts in our lives. And a lot of us know this to be true, that when we get that gift from that certain person, we're like, oh, no. Now they're going to expect me to give them a gift. This happens a lot around Christmas time. Amen. You get that gift. You know, you're waiting around at Christmas time. All of a sudden, somebody goes, I got you a gift. And you're like, oh, no, man, I got to go find them a gift now. And you really, and it, but there's some people, too, that give you a gift. And you know they're like, okay, they're going to expect a favor later on. Later on down the road, they're going to say, you remember when I gave you that certain, certain, I gave you that tool or I gave you that or gave, I need some help over here, you know, and they'll call you out on it. God's not like that. God uses the word grace and he means it. It's a free gift. It's just given. It's because he loves you. It's unmerited. You're not going to earn it. Just come and take it. Just come and take it. For if through the offense of one, many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, that's Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. So Adam commits that one sin, now everybody dies. That's not very fair. Even including the little babies. That's not fair. Not necessarily. I don't really judge that to be fair. So God says, I'll tell you what. I'll make this one man Jesus Christ. If you'll get in him, everybody will be righteous. If you get into him. That evens it out. Amen. Free gift. Don't have to earn it. I was reading about old Dwight O. Moody. I love Dwight O. Moody. And I bring him up all the time in the church. You know, you have, I love Dwight O. Moody. Preacher at the turn of the last century, 1800s. 
He got to studying on grace. He said, I'm almost studying on grace. He spent one day studying on grace. He spent two days, all day long, studying on grace. On the third day, at the end of the evening, he had been studying on grace for three days. He couldn't take it anymore. He said, God's grace, God's grace, God, he's wonderful, God's grace. And he ran out of his house, and he ran out on the street. He had to go tell somebody about grace. And he ran up to me, he goes, do you know anything about grace? And that man turns to him and said, who's that? <laughs> Thought he was talking about some woman named Grace. That's what we get. We get so caught up in, in grace and we forget that the world's so totally out of it. <laughs> they have no idea what we're talking about. I was reading about old Jonathan Edwards. He was, his, his daughter was, had a real, real bad temper. Daughter had a real, real bad temper. And this, this young man came to him and said, I want to marry your daughter. And Jonathan Edwards said, no, not going to do it. You can't have her. And he said, but I love her. He goes, you can't have her. And he said, but she loves, and the, man, the young man said, but Mr. Edwards, she loves me. You can't have her. And the young man was took back and goes, what's the problem? She's a Christian, isn't she? He goes, oh, yeah, she's a Christian, but God's grace can only live with certain people. And other people can't live with those people. Only God's grace can live with those kind of people. Amen. I know people like that. that you know, nobody else can get along with them, but God does because it's God's grace. <laughs> and he knew he had a daughter like that. And he goes, man, I don't want to send her over to you and, and destroy your life. Only God's grace. Guys, it's God's grace that gets us where we're at today. It's by God's grace for anything in here this morning. And that God's grace, it's, it's, it's that grace that allows him to give us this free gift. Amen. He doesn't have to make it a gift and he doesn't have to make it free. He doesn't. He doesn't have to make it free. He just, he's God. You realize God doesn't have to do anything that he does. He could just say, you know what, y'all earned it, you better, you're going to earn it back. You lost it, you lost it, Adam lost it, he shouldn't have done it. I told him, told him, I had it perfect. He, it's Mr. Universe. he looked like Mr. Universe, he had the most beautiful wife you could ever imagine. She's of his own flesh, and he messed it up. Too bad. Earn it back. I'm glad Jesus Christ didn't come down and say, okay, boys, I showed you how to live it. I showed you how to live the life. Good luck, and then just ascend it up into heaven. Can you imagine what that would have been like? Well, I wouldn't be here this morning, I promise you that, because I couldn't do it. I'm glad Jesus Christ came down, looked around her, and said, y'all are a bunch of sinners. You're as evil as evil can be. Listen to this, guys. I'm going to go to the cross and die for your sins. I'm glad he's that kind of Savior. He doesn't have to be that, though. And that's why I thank him for it. And that's why I'm so thankful for God, because he's not the kind of God that they teach about Allah. Even if, even if you believe that there was a God named Allah, when you get to study in Allah, it's not the same as God Jehovah. It's not the same God. You, the mercy, mercy, mercy. They talk about mercy, and Allah has mercy. Allah has mercy. Allah has mercy. I don't want mercy. I want grace. Amen. I need grace. Amen. Grace is something totally different than mercy. Grace is something totally different than mercy. What's the saying go? Mercy is a... Mercy is not getting what you deserve. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. And grace is getting something you don't deserve. I'd much rather get something I don't deserve. Because I'm never going to deserve heaven. I'm never going to deserve holiness. I'm never going to deserve God's righteousness. But he gives it to me anyway. Mercy is not getting what I don't deserve. Uh, and I deserve a lot of hell. So what's he going to give me? Half a hell? I mean, that, that's mercy. And just, just only give me half a hell burning in hell is, 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 is mercy in, in my sinful life. I need grace, and y'all, we all need grace. Verse 16, And not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift. For the judgment was by one to condemnation, but the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. He's mentioned as a gift in the middle of the verse, I mean verse 16, but the free gift is of many offenses under justification. Now, that says just what I told. Adam does one sin and passes it on to all of us. Jesus Christ, he does the right thing and all that righteousness passes on to all of us, all of our offenses. See, this righteousness of Jesus Christ, this free gift just does, this free gift of God by grace, it, does, it just doesn't cover what Adam did. It covers everything Adam did and everything me and you did and everything anybody's ever going to do. Amen. Many offenses. It doesn't just cover eating the fruit. It covers adultery and murder and lying and stealing and jealousy and everything we do as sinners. It covers all of those things, envy and strife. It covers all of it. Amen. Praise the Lord for that. 
but the free gift is of many offenses under justification. That's a beautiful word, and I, I preached not too long, gone, long ago on it, but I'll just give you a quick rundown. Justification means it's just if you've never done it. It's a legal term. God looks at you and he said, that sin, he, he, he not only didn't do that sin, I don't know him as a sinner. It's not, just, it's not, it's not a pardon. It's not like, oh, I did, this, I did this sin and I deserve to go to jail, but I've been pardoned out of jail. In God's eyes, you never were a sinner. You never were a criminal. You've always been holy. You've justified. Amen. That's wonderful. And that's what you get through Jesus Christ through this free gift. So this free gift, of course, is, is amazing. You know what makes this free gift so amazing? It's given to us while we were enemies. People forget that. See, it's not, we're not given this free gift while we're friends of Christ. Or while we're, you know, we've went to church for 20 years and we've straightened our life out. And then God says, okay, I see that you look like you're going to be okay. Here's that free gift of eternal life. No, he gives it to us while we're enemies. You're in that chapter with me? Look up at verse 6. For when we were yet without strength, for when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. Amen. Amen. I'm ungodly. I'm glad he died for somebody like me. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commended his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. See, he's given you this free gift while you're a sinner, a rotten, dirty sinner, while you're a rotten, dirty sinner that is an enemy with him. Keep reading with me. Much more than being now justified, there's that word, by his blood, not Adam's blood, the blood of Jesus Christ, we shall be saved from wrath, that's hell, through him. Amen. There it is, beautiful. Are you an enemy? You were in verse 10. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Amen. Mm. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. We got a wonderful thing in this free gift of eternal life. Verse 17. Go back up to verse 17. Verse 17. It's a free gift. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. Amen. You know what, that, that gift right here, you know what I like about this? This gift is like you get some of those gifts at Christmas time and they'll tell you, this is a gift that's going to keep on giving. Amen. See, that, that, that gift that he gives you, is, and that's what I try, to, I try to wrap around new Christians' head because they don't get this. It's like, okay, you received Jesus Christ, yes. You're a born-again believer, yes, okay. You got that free gift of eternal life. You got that by grace. It's God's righteousness. Jesus Christ's righteousness put on you. You got it. And then so they, they, they keep living in this life, and what happens? They sin. Amen. They do something that's not right. We all do. And then they start, the devil comes in. That's when the devil loves to play with you. And he comes in and starts whispering in your ear, see, you're not, you weren't really saved. You weren't really saved. You never did just got saved. But see, this gift is a gift that keeps on giving. It, you're not just justified from the point you get saved backwards. You're justified from that point back in time, back before you, when you were born from your mother's womb, and you keep on going back until you take that last breath. You're justified for eternity in Jesus Christ. You're, this is, a, this is a, a gift that's not just for one, it's for what? What, what we read in verse 16. But the free gift is of many offenses. Jesus Christ didn't just die for all my sins I committed up until I got saved. He died for all my sins I'm ever going to commit. Amen. And those sins I commit, they put him on that cross. And I should be ashamed of him. And what that should do as a Christian, that should shame you into trying to live a better Christian life and not commit those sins. Because that... Now that I've got the righteousness of Jesus Christ, and now that I know I'm saved, and I know I know I've got a heavenly father, and, and I, I'm a child of a king, I should start acting that way. Amen. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, that's Adam, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift, look, the gift of righteousness. This gift is a gift of righteousness. What? God's doing here. It's God's giving you a gift. I've established it's a free gift. It's a gift by grace. 
But this gift is a gift of righteousness, meaning as a sinner, you're not right. And you're never going to be right. Jesus went so far as to say, and I quote it all the time in John 3, 18, He that believeth on me is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already. You're not right. You're condemned. You're going to go before God. He's going to judge you and send you to hell. And you're going to get this free gift by grace, unmerited, just gives it to you. And it's a gift of righteousness. What God's going to do, he's going to take the righteousness of Jesus Christ and he's going to put it on you. He's going to take all your sinfulness and he's going to put it on his son, Jesus Christ. And he did that at the cross. He did that at the cross. That's why the cross is so important. That's why the cross is so important to Christians. We have cross necklaces and we wear crosses and we have cross, because that cross means, what that cross symbolizes is God said that's a sinner and Jesus Christ is going to be on that sinner now and his righteousness is on that sinner and all those sins are up on that cross. Amen. That we got the payment, we got the free gift and it's a gift of righteousness. Look at verse 18. Therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation. Even so, by the righteousness of one, Jesus Christ, the free gift, came upon all men under justification of life. He's going to go over it again. He says, okay, now Adam, Adam brought it in. And Adam, because of Adam, judgments came upon all men. And you've been judged, condemned. John 3, 18. You've been judged, condemned, but because of the righteousness of Jesus Christ, the righteousness of one, that's Jesus Christ, the free gift came upon all men under justification. You're going to die in your sin because of Adam, but if you can get in Jesus Christ, you're going to live forever because of Jesus Christ. It's just that simple. It's not a very hard concept. Verse 19, for as by one man's disobedience, that was Adam disobeying, eating the fruit, many were made sinners. So by the obedience of one, Jesus Christ, shall many be made righteous. Amen. Amen. He's homing it in. He's homing it in. He's, see, Paul, he's, he basically, he's, he's saying the same thing over and over again. He's saying, Adam brought sin in. Adam, you're going to die in Adam. But if you can get in Jesus Christ, you'll live in Jesus Christ. Amen. You either can die in Adam, and you will die. Everybody dies. Or you can live in Jesus Christ. Amen. Jesus Christ said something very... And for years, it kind of perplexed me. He said, he that believeth in me will never see death. Amen. And I think, man, I've known a lot of believers in Jesus Christ, and they all died. That don't make no sense, Lord. And then I realized, he said, they'll never see death. See, if you don't have Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, when you die, death will be there waiting on you. Amen. And I believe death as an angel will take you and carry you down Amen. to hell, waiting on judgment. Amen. But if you don't know, if you know Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, when you take your last breath and your body comes out of this cocoon, comes out of this shell, and your soul comes out of this body, when you come out, you'll see the Heavenly Father. You'll see the angels, and they'll be there, and you'll never see death, and they'll carry you on up into heaven. Man, I tell you what, if we can wrap our minds around what's going on in the spiritual realm, a lot of this stuff would make sense that Jesus Christ said, and get this uh, fleshly mind put to the side and put under Verse 19, for as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. The law makes sin abound. In other words, the law shows you how much of a sinner you really are. This Bible, when I, when I walked down the aisle and got saved, I went down the aisle and got saved, and I was like, woo, I'm glad. And, I, I, and man, it was, this weight was lifted off of me. I'm telling you, I had no idea what kind of sinner I was. I had to get into this book, reading this book, studying this book, and the more I've studied it, the bigger sinner I became. Amen. I'm a bigger sinner now than I was before I got saved. Amen. Because I know, I see this Bible, what it does, it shines a light on you. And you're like, ooh, hmm, I guess I shouldn't be jealous or shouldn't be envious. I shouldn't be hateful. I shouldn't, all this stuff that I didn't know what I was doing when I walked down the aisle. I just knew I was a sinner doomed for hell. And what the, what the law does, what God's word does, it shows you how big a sinner you really are. And it abounds. But verse 20, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Amen. God, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for that grace. 
See, we're sinners, and I, I'm going to hammer it. I'm going to get a big old sledgehammer, and I'm going to hammer it. If we're sinners, we're sinners. But you know what's bigger than your sin? God's grace. Amen. And what's, you know what God's got more of than you've got sins? God's got more grace than you've got sins. Amen. You can't get away from You can't use up God's grace. It, it always abounds more than sins. Always. Verse 21, That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. Woo! He wraps it up. He wraps it up. Listen, uh, and there in verse 18, there in verse 21, there in verse 15, there in verse 17, there's a great truth that's said, at the end of verse 17 especially, it says, in life by one, Jesus Christ. This gift can only come through Jesus Christ. Now, when somebody comes up to you and they say something stupid like, well, there's many ways to God. I can go to God in many different ways. We all have our different ways we get to God. They're stupid and do not understand their condition they're in. You're in a condition of death. You're in a condition of a sinner. You're condemned and doomed and damned to a devil's hell. That's the condition you're in. That free gift is a righteous gift of righteousness, of eternal life by grace that God only gives by one, and that one is Jesus Christ. Amen. You don't understand. When you say something stupid like that, you don't understand. You're thinking that you're going to go before God and everything's okay and, and you're going to be weighed in the balance like I was saying. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible says you're a walking dead man. You're dead in trespasses and sins right now. You're doomed. And what death and that graveyard teaches us is that there's judgment coming. Amen. You're all going to die. And what then? You better be ready to answer to a God. Well, I've got eternal life through Jesus Christ. I'm counting on the righteousness of Jesus Christ. But here's the kicker. We've seen that God's gift is free. We've seen it's a gift of righteousness by grace. We've seen that it leads to eternal life. We just read that there in verse 21, back in chapter 6, verse 23. All this great stuff about God's gift, but there's one catch. There's one thing that stops people. You've got to receive it. Amen. You've got to receive it. Man, I, if it was just a gift that I could take for you and give to you, all my loved ones would be saved. I would just go, hey, Lord, give me one of those. Lord, give me another one of those. Give me another one of those. And I'd go and I'd just give it to them. It don't work that way. God doesn't work it that way. God says there in verse 17 and stresses it again, for if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive, which receive, which receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. You've got to receive it. The truth is, a gift can be offered but not received. And I've seen that over and over again in my life, where a mom and a, a daughter get crossways, and the daughter don't want to have anything to do with her mom, and I've seen it where the mom makes this beautiful afghan for her grandbaby. And she walks up to the daughter, and I've seen this in my own eyes, walks up to the daughter and says, I made this beautiful afghan for the baby. And the daughter's not telling the mom, and tells the mom, I don't want it. And just turns around and walks off. And the mom turns around and says, well, can you take it? Just don't, it's not from me, just take it for the baby. I don't want it. And a mom just brokenhearted, tears rolling down her eyes. A gift can be offered and not received. A beautiful gift can be offered and not received. It's this free gift of righteousness and eternal life is offered to all men, but not all men will receive it. John chapter 1 verse 12 tells us, and I'll, I'll read it real quick, you don't have to turn there, tells us, but as many as received him... To them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. I was reading the story about Billy Graham, and he woke up in the middle of the night, and he just woke up in the middle of the night, and he had this incredible burden on, about Marilyn Monroe. And he prayed about it and prayed about it. And he got up the next morning, and, he got, and Marilyn Monroe was really heavy on his heart. So he, through his, through his uh, contacts, he contacted Marilyn Monroe's agent, trying to get a hold of Marilyn Monroe. So I need to talk to Marilyn Monroe about her, about her soul. I need to talk to her about Jesus Christ. And the agent said, uh, Mr. Graham, she's real, real busy. I, I'll try to get her to get in touch with you in a couple of weeks. He said, well, tell her, please tell her, ASAP, get a hold of me. She was dead in two weeks. She was dead in two weeks. Two weeks. 
The third, the third vice president of the United States, his name was Aaron Burr. He was at a revival, and he got called by, he got, was feeling that calling by God to receive Jesus Christ. He had a great burden, and he, he really respected the president of his university. So he went to the president of the university and says, I'm, I'm ready to receive Jesus Christ. I know that's the thing I need to do. And the president of the university said, young man, why don't you just wait a little while, wait for things to calm down, and then make a decision that that's important. That is, if it's that important, wait a little while, let, get calmed down, and make sure you're making the right decision. And he didn't make the decision. And as far as we know, he never received Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. Oh when you got an opportunity to receive this gift, you better come down and get it. Uh, my wife is a coupon-loving woman. She loves coupons. And the one thing I know about coupons is when they give you a coupon, they always put an expiration date on it. And I don't know how many times my wife, she's got a, this little, it looks like a purse or wallet full of just coupons. And we'll go out to eat and she'll... You can flip through all those, you know. It don't matter, you know. She's got a coupon for everything. You know, toilet paper. It don't matter what it is. She's got a coupon for it. Well, I, we've been places where she'll pull, oh, this coupon here is it's a great deal. And she'll look at it and say, oh, it expired last month. This free gift that's being offered by God can expire. And it expires when you take your last breath. Amen. And if you keep putting it off and putting it off and say, yeah, I know it's there. Someday I'll go take that gift. I know God's good. I know I'm a sinner, but I'll get cleaned up. It, that someday might not come. It might come tomorrow. Amen. That someday of I'll receive Jesus Christ, you might never get that opportunity. Amen. You might die in a car wreck. You might die of a heart attack. You, I, guys, I, I tell stories all the time of men that we try to lead to Christ, and then they don't, it isn't much. Weeks later, they die. Whatever you do, you have the opportunity this morning to receive that free gift. You've, I've shown you what the Bible says about condition. It is hard to argue about it, that we all, all are in this condition. The Bible says, this is, God says, I see that you're in this condition. It's not your fault. It's Adam's fault. God says, I'm going to do you one over, and I'm going to do you, do you a good one, and I'm going to give you this free gift by grace. I'm not expecting anything in return. If you want it, come and take it. It's salvation by Jesus Christ. Receive him, believe on him, and I'll take his righteousness and put it on you, and I will give you that gift of eternal life. Amen. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. It's that simple. Amen. Do you have that free gift? I wish, I just wish I could give it to you, but I can't. God expects you to come down and take it. Dwight O. Moody, like I said, one of my favorite preachers, he had a $1 bill and he handed it out. He said, anybody wants it, come and take it. And he had that $1 bill handing it out like that, waving it. And one of the boys went, ran down the aisle and he stood in front of Mr. Moody and he stuck out his hand and he was holding his hand out. And he sat there. And Mr. Moody just sat there with the dollar bill hunting out. And there was another lady in the back with her son, and she said, go get that dollar bill. And that, her boy ran down that road and grabbed that dollar bill out and pushed that other boy out of the way and grabbed that dollar bill out of Mr. Moody's hand. And that little boy started crying, ooh, that didn't have the $1 bill. And Mr. Moody said, I said to take it. Come and take it. Amen. Don't get to the point where you walk up there and you're waiting. Okay, God, no, you need to say, okay, God, I, I want it. Please give it to me. Give me eternal life. I know I'm a sinner. I repent. I need Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Is it that, is it that easy? It's that easy. Amen. That's how everybody I know got saved. And that's the only way you're going to get saved. Amen. That's the only way you can cure this condition that you're in is by Jesus Christ. Hello, friends. This is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church of Indian Gap, Texas. If you'd like to contact us, you can do it at IndianGapBaptist.com. On the internet, it's IndianGapBaptist.com. But I have a question for you. If you died tonight, do you know if you'd go to heaven? You know, if you're not sure, let me show you a few verses out of the Bible so you can know if you have eternal life. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. So that verse tells us there that you can know you have eternal life. And I want to show you how you can know that. Jesus Christ talked in John chapter 3, verse 16, and most people have heard this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. 
That's an amazing verse, of course, talking about how God gave Jesus Christ as a gift to the world. But verse 17 and 18, he went on to say something interesting. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So the whole reason Jesus Christ came into this world was to save you and to save me and you. But in verse 18, he says something that's amazing. He says that he that believeth on him is not condemned. He's stressing a faith. It's putting your faith into Jesus Christ. But he says there in verse 18, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So he says you're condemned already if you haven't believed in Jesus Christ. It's not like you're going to go to heaven and you're going to stand before God and you're going to have God put your good deeds on the scale and your bad deeds on on the other side of the scale and he's going to weigh it. And if you've been a good enough person down on this earth that he'll let you into heaven. It doesn't work that way. Jesus Christ is real explicit here to say that you're condemned already. You need a Savior right now. The same chapter down in verse 36, it says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. It goes back to a believe, putting your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But the verse continues, And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. See, it's going on right now. You need a Savior right now. You need to be saved from a devil's hell. Paul sums it up real good here in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. It's putting your faith in Jesus Christ from the heart. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and then with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's very important to confess Jesus Christ because the mouth shows where the heart's at. And in verse 13, he sums it up, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So friends, as simple as just bowing your head and saying a prayer, something like this. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you can came up from the grave and are alive right now listening to me. I invite you into my heart to save me. Please save me, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you prayed something similar to that, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. And God bless you. And until next time. Casting all your care upon him.